Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Revelation 13. And in just a moment, we'll look at verse 11 through 18. And uh, I am looking forward to sharing that with you. My dad, I talk a lot about him. Uh, he was not a perfect man. And like I said, I'm not either. But I just admire him for all the things that he went through. And yet he was not a complainer. He just kind of took life as it came to him. And, uh, but, but because he went through the Great Depression, he carried cash with him all the time. All the time. And he never spent any of it. I, I won't tell you how much. He, he carried a lot of cash with him all the time. But it's because he was poor growing up and he went through the Great Depression. And he was, I, I told everybody, he was as tight with money as the bark on a tree. All right? That's tight. All right? And uh, he never would spend anything, but he had it if he had to have it. I want to say this to you. You can carry $100 bills if you want to. But there's coming a day on this earth that a $100 bill will not buy a loaf of bread. There's coming a day when currency will no longer be cash. Everybody on this earth, one of these days, will only be able to access anything by the mark of the beast, the Antichrist. Even in our day, we see cash becoming less and less popular. For one thing, cash is dirty, all right? I mean, you don't know who's touched it, and around the coronavirus, a lot of people are saying, we don't accept cash. There's a lot of stores that won't accept cash right now because of the coronavirus. In 1661, Sweden became the first country in Europe to introduce banknotes. Well, in 2023, just three years from right now, Sweden will be the first cashless economy in the world. Their nation is going to 100% digital just three years from now. No more cash in Sweden. If you visit Sweden, don't take cash because they don't accept it in three years from now. Many Americans engage in cashless purchases all the time. They order things online, and I'm not saying that that is synonymous with Antichrist. But companies like Amazon have made it easy to shop right from your home. And that is becoming the norm for more and more people. They're not using cash. They don't carry cash, but they just do it online. Again, I'm not saying that that in and of itself is the mark of the beast. But what I am saying is it is a precursor to what can happen? If, if you had told somebody 20 years ago that cash is going to go out and some other form of currency is going to come in, they would have laughed you out of the room. But nobody's laughing now because we know that that is the trend. That's the trend. Well, there's coming a second beast. We talked about the first beast last week. We talked about Antichrist coming out of the sea, but today we're going to look at the second beast, and he's coming out of the land, out of 
humanity, out of mankind. And he is going to be the false prophet who has one goal, and that is to point everyone to give all the attention to the Antichrist, to the first beast. He is going to be suave, sophisticated, clever, and calm. And during his time on earth, the dollar will die. No more currency. Nobody will buy or sell apart from the mark of the beast. Again, he's going to be smooth-talking. The Bible says he's going to be good-looking. I've never seen a good-looking man. I can honestly say that. They all look like men, so I don't think they're good-looking. But he's going to be brilliant, and he's going to be full of the devil. He's going to be cunning, but he is going to be controlled by the enemy. The false prophet is going to exalt a new Christ, Antichrist. He's going to bring a new currency, the mark of the beast. And he is going to be dangerous and deadly while being cool and calm. He's going to establish a cashless economy. He's going to eradicate many financial freedoms consequently. And again, nobody, unless they want to face capital punishment, nobody will resist him except the Christians that get saved during the Great Tribulation. Those who reject his mark will face capital punishment, but those who accept it, the Bible says, and we'll see that later in the text, later as we go to later parts of Revelation, anybody that accepts the mark of the beast, when they die, they automatically go to hell. Because you have to basically sell your soul to the enemy in order to take the mark of the beast. If you think we're living in strange political and economic days today, it will be child's play compared to what's coming during the Great Tribulation. I call it the day the dollar dies. Let's look there in Revelation 13, verse 11 and following. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it, literally the earth dwellers, they're lost people, to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he makes, even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him, now listen, to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast, that is the image of Antichrist, to be killed. And he causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one 
will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of the beast. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. This is the word of the Lord. We're moving toward a cashless society. And the false prophet, after the Antichrist arises, the false prophet will rise. This will complete what many call the unholy trinity. The devil is a copycat. The devil imitates God. And the devil likens himself to God the Father. Antichrist will liken himself to Jesus Christ. And the false prophet will liken himself to the Holy Spirit. Now, how is that? The Holy Spirit doesn't point anybody to himself. The Holy Spirit points everybody to Christ. And the the, the false prophet will be the same way. He won't point anybody to himself. He'll point everybody toward the Antichrist. So that's why he's the third person of the unholy trinity. Jesus warned about false prophets. Everybody that says they speak for God is not genuine. How many of you know that? Anybody know that? There are false prophets. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, almost at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, beware. Beware of what? Beware of the false prophets who come to you. Now watch this. In sheep's clothing, on the outside, they look great in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. And the most ravenous false prophet ever is going to be the second beast of Revelation 13, verses 11 through 18. Let's talk about this false prophet, the false prophet that we're to beware of. Number one, the authority of the false prophet. Where does that come from? Go back to verse 11. We'll see about the authority of the false prophet. Then I saw, verse 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he had spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. John This aged man in his 90s is still walking with God. Hey, look at me. I don't care if you're 90, you need to keep walking with God. Amen? He was still in the Word, still in the Spirit, walking with God, hearing from God. God was still talking to this man. I don't know if I'll get to be 90 or not, but if I do, I want to be like John. And even if I'm in prison somewhere, I want God to talk to me. Amen? He said, look, I saw another beast. Coming up out of the earth, another is the Greek word, another of the same kind, alloys. There's two words for other, and one of them is another of a different kind or another or or other of the same kind. This is other of the same kind. This new beast was another of the same kind as the previous beast, that is the Antichrist is the first beast. He'd already, who had already ascended, you see him back in chapter 13, verse 1, talked about that last week. So this second beast, the false prophet only is going to have two horns. The other one, the Antichrist has ten horns. Horns stand for strength. So the Antichrist is going to be stronger in his appearance and his demeanor and in his character than the false prophet who's only going to have two horns. In fact, the false prophet is going to have two horns and he's going to be a beast like a lamb. And it says, though, he's going to speak like a dragon. Now, what's going on? What does all that mean? He's going to be like a lamb. 
He's going to be deceptively kind. I'll be frank with you. I'd rather have somebody that was all up in my face yelling at me if they didn't like me than to have somebody telling me what I wanted to hear and they still hate my guts. The Antichrist is going to be bold. He's going to be strong. He's going to be political. But this man is going to be religious and he's going to be kind and suave and yet he's going to pull people in like a spider into his web and he's going to be ferocious. He is going to speak like a dragon. And we know who that dragon is. That's the old red dragon, the devil. He's going to speak like the devil, but he's going to act like a lamb. Very dangerous combination. Look at verse 12. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. There's where his authority came from. Where did the first beast, where did the Antichrist get his authority? From the devil. Where does the second beast, the, 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 uh, help me out here. False prophet. I'm, I'm, I apologize. I'm 62. It just happened to me right here in the pulpit. All right. It just happened to me. That never happens to you, does it? All right. But it happened to me. The false prophet. He gets his same authority from the dragon, and that is Satan himself. The unholy trinity, the authority of the false prophet comes from the devil, Satan. Secondly, the assignment of the false prophet. What is his assignment? What has the devil given him primarily to do on earth? Verse 12, the latter part says, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it. That is a code line there. People who dwell in the earth in Revelation, that's the lost people who don't get saved during the great tribulation, the earth dwellers, to worship the first beast, that is the Antichrist, whose fatal wound was healed. That's his primary assignment. He's pointing everybody to Antichrist. He's not pointing anybody to himself, but that's not a good thing. He's still full of the devil. He's pointing everybody to Antichrist. Now, how will he do that? I've already said Antichrist is going to be a strong political leader. I want to ask you this. If somebody across the world right now showed up and they had legitimate, what it looked like, legitimate answers for coronavirus, how many of you think people would listen to them? Anybody believe that? Sure they would. If, if somebody showed up in the political realm and they had what would be seemingly a, a strategy to really not just talk about it. Listen to me. There are thousands upon thousands of people talking about race right now, but hardly anybody that I know of is coming up with any real solutions for everybody, where everybody wins. If somebody came up and said, well, I've got the solution where everybody wins, how many of you believe somebody would follow that guy? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay. Some of you don't think so or you don't want to admit it. All right. Great. I want to say this to you. That guy's coming. That guy's coming. He's the false prophet, and he's going to have, and the Antichrist is coming. Antichrist is going to have all the political answers. But there's another one coming that's going to have all the spiritual answers. And what he's going to do, to me, is even more sinister than what the first beast, the Antichrist, is going to do. This false prophet is going to point everybody to the world's greatest political ruler and turn Antichrist into the object of religious worship. The earth and those who dwell in it, watch this now, will worship 
the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. Now, I want to share with you what I believe is going to happen. And I believe I can show you in Scripture it's going to happen. When Jesus comes back and we are raptured out of this earth, that starts the great tribulation on this earth. And when that happens, Antichrist will rise. The first, it will, the great tribulation will last seven years. The first three and a half years, he's going to be a man of peace. He's going to solve all the problems. And somewhere along the way, the false prophet will come in, point everybody to him, point everybody to him. And he's going to be solving problem after problem politically and everything else. And he's going to go to the Jews and he's going to say, look, I know that you've wanted to rebuild the temple ever since it was torn down in Solomon's day, or Solomon's temple was torn down in 587 B.C. when the Babylonians came in that Solomon built. I know you've wanted that temple, so let's, I'm going to rebuild the temple. And we're going to rebuild it where the Dome of the Rock is right now, which is a Muslim site, a sacred Muslim site, from where the Muslims believe he ascended, that Muhammad ascended back to, to, back to heaven. Well, there that's where it's going to be built. And I don't understand all that. And I know this will make Muslims mad, but I'm telling you, I believe with all my heart, somehow that's going to be out of the way and they're going to be rebuild the new temple there on the temple mount. And the Jews are going to worship again and they are going to sacrifice again. They're going to sacrifice animals, not to Jesus Christ, but they're going to sacrifice animals to Yahweh. If that's what they're going to do. Now that's going to happen. Midway, midway of the great tribulation, Antichrist will turn against the Jews and he will shut down the worship of Yahweh and all their sacrifices. Daniel talks about this, Jesus talks about this, and he will demand through his false prophet that everybody worship him instead. Now, here's what will happen false prophet will point everybody to Antichrist and he will be worshiped, and that is what Daniel and Jesus called the abomination of desolation. Let me read it to you out of Daniel's prophecy. And Daniel, write this down, if you will. Daniel chapter 11, verses 31 and 32. Forces from him, from whom? Antichrist will arise. Desecrate the sanctuary fortress. What is that? The temple that has been rebuilt where the Jews for three and a half years have been worshiping Yahweh. They're going to desecrate, not tear it down, they're going to desecrate it. How are they going to do that? And do away with the regular sacrifice. They're going to stop all the sacrifices that are being given to Yahweh, and they will set up the abomination of desolation. What is that? It's the image of the Antichrist. He's going to make them produce the image of the Antichrist, and somehow it's going to come alive, and people are going to worship it. You say, Brother Steve, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm going to read it to you right out of the Bible in just a minute. And by the way, don't call it crazy because Jesus said it was going to happen, all right? Jesus is not crazy. By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. He's going to attract a lot of people who will take the mark of the beast and will worship this abomination of desolation, the image of the Antichrist in this temple on the mount there in Jerusalem. 
But the people who know their God, the people that get saved during the great tribulation, the King James says, will do great exploits. And this says, will display strength and take action. The, the Christians will not take the mark of the beast, and they will not worship this image of the beast, the Antichrist, and they will not worship this abomination of desolation. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24. Just remember Matthew 24 talks about the return of Jesus Christ. Verse 15, therefore when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, that is on the holy mountain, in the holy temple, let the reader understand. And I just told you how to understand it, all right? It is the image of the beast set up by none other than the false prophet, and he's going to demand to be worshipped. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those that want to follow God don't need to bow down to this image, because if you do, you're going to die and go to hell. When you die, you're going to hell. But you need to flee from there. And he's telling this is an emergency. And notice what he says. Notice how much of an emergency is. Whoever's on the housetop, when this happens, don't even go down to get the things that are out of the house. Don't go pack your bag. Just head for the wilderness as quick as you can because bad things are about to happen. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. I mean, if you're cold, don't even go get a coat. Just hit the road and get going. It's woe to those, verse 19, who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. Why does he say that? He's talking to Jews. And on the Sabbath, you could only go so far. But to get away from the Antichrist and this false prophet and this horrible thing that's coming, this abomination of desolation, you're going to have to go miles and miles away into the wilderness. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the time, world until now, nor ever will, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have ever been saved. But for the sake of the elect, that's the saved, those who get saved during the great tribulation, those days will be cut short. I'm telling you, this is going to happen. You say, Brother Steve, I, I don't understand it all. It's not that complicated. Not that complicated. Three and a half years of peace, build a temple, Jews worshiping, stop it midway, demand to be worshiped. They've created this image of the Antichrist, set it up in this temple, and it comes alive somehow miraculously with satanic power, and God allows it, and you're going to have to worship this, and if you don't, and you got, you're going to have to show your loyalty, we'll see this in a minute, taking the mark of the beast, and if you don't, you're going to be killed. And so when the Christians that get saved during the Great Tribulation see this, they say, that's the sign. That's what Jesus talked about. That's what Daniel talked about. That's what they saw, and they're going to run for the wilderness. Many of them will be killed, but some of them will make it all the way through the great tribulation, and get to be with Jesus on this earth. Never taste physical death because they're going to make it beyond the second coming. I know that's a lot. I know it's kind of complicated, but it's really not that hard. You can get it. That's the primary assignment of the false prophet. He's going to point everybody to worship the abomination of desolation, the image of the beast. Just go look up image of the beast in your Bible, and it, all through Revelation it's there. Thirdly, the activity of the false prophet. How in the world is he going to get people to worship the image of the beast? Verse 13, he performs great signs. He's going to do miracles. Notice he's a copycat so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. Of course, Elijah did that on Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18. He called down the fire 
and the prophets of Baal could not do that. But this miracle, I believe, is going to be something that the false prophet does to make everybody believe that he is as powerful as those two prophets that are going to preach out of Jerusalem that remind everybody of Elijah and Moses that we read about back in chapter 11 of Revelation. Revelation 11 verse 5 says, and if anyone wants to harm them, that is the two prophets of God there in Jerusalem that were like Moses and Elijah, fire, here it is, fire flows out of their mouth, devours their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in that way. Satan has access to paranormal power that can perform supernatural feats. In Moses' day, the Egyptians had false prophets. We know their names because Paul gives us their names in 2 Timothy 3 verse 8, but their names were Janus and Jambres. We're not told their names in Exodus 7, but we are told the miracles that these pagan false prophets performed with supernatural satanic power in Moses' day, and it involved snakes. I hate snakes. That's, that's not in the sermon. I hate them, though, all right? Okay. We know this. Look, at, if, look on the screen, Exodus 7, verse 10 through 12. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did, just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron threw his staff down before Pharaoh and his ser- servants, and it became a serpent. I want to tell you, if I'd been there, I'd have been gone. I'd have been gone. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers. Everybody say sorcerers. These are demonic people. They are worshipers of the devil. And they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret, that is satanic arts. For each one threw down his staff and they turned into serpents. But look at the last phrase. Thank the Lord for this. Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. I got news for you. Greater is Jesus Christ who is in us than the devil who is in the world. Amen? Amen. I thank God that God can even eat up the devil's snakes. Amen. So here he's going to perform, the the false prophet's going to perform all these great miracles and signs, and people by the millions will turn toward the Antichrist. Verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth. There's the earth dwellers again. Because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. The false prophet's miracles will be so amazing that he will convince the lost people on earth to make this idolatrous sinful image of the Antichrist, and in some satanic, dark way, that image is going to come to life and speak, and it's going to be so persuasive. Verse 15 says, it will be given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. It's going to be so persuasive, people are going to worship this image. That is the abomination of desolation and establishing that in that temple is the activity of the false prophet. He's going to do it through false miracles. I got news for you. Every miracle is not from God. You've got to learn to discern. Say that with me. Learn to discern. Every miracle is not of God. 
If somebody comes to you and says, I, I can work miracles, you need to follow me. I want to tell you something. It may be a satanic miracle. I believe God is a miracle worker, don't you? I believe God can do anything God wants to do. But I also know the devil is a copycat, and you've got to be very discerning nowadays to know the difference between, between what is of God and what is not of God. You've got to say to the Lord, help me, Lord, to discern. That's the activity of the false prophet. Now, let me give you finally, and this is probably the most important part of the service, the atrocity, the atrocity of the false prophet. He's going to do away with cash through the mark of the beast. That's the atrocity of the false prophet. Let me just read the three verses, and I'll walk through them, through them very quickly. And he causes all, the small and the great, rich and the poor, free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to bind or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of the name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. How many of you have ever heard of 666? Anybody ever heard of that? Most of you have. All right. Probably one of the most famous numbers in the world. Well, the false prophet is going to force everybody in the world to bow down to Antichrist and to prove their loyalty the loyal citizens of Antichrist are going to have to take the mark of the beast. Or there will be no transactions of any kind whatsoever, case closed. Pull your little $100 bill out, and you might as well just throw it on the ground. It won't buy anything. Let's look at verse 16, and we'll go through each verse very quickly. Verse 16, he causes all small, great, rich, poor, free slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, some people say, that's just a fairy tale. That's not going to happen. What nut would let somebody brand them? What nut would let somebody put some kind of, you know, sign on them like you put on a box nowadays, a little, little tag thing that you do with an uh, 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 electronic deal, and you scan that, a code, a barcode. Who would let somebody do that to you? There are people doing it all over the nation. Now, this is not some weirdo news outlet. It's a liberal news outlet. But the Washington Post, in the last year or two, has put out an article by Peter Hawley, one of their contributors, August 23rd, if you want to see it, 2018. It says, this firm, this business, already microchips employees. They have turned microchips into a verb there. Could your ailing relative be next? That's a subtle way of saying this is going to be good for you medically. The technology, I'm reading to you now, the technology company, Three Square Market, be patient with me and listen to the very end, made headlines last year for implanting microchips in the arms of nearly 100 employees, allowing them to open doors, log on to their computers, and purchase snacks from the company vending machines with a simple swipe of their arm. The chips were initially little more than an innovative novelty, but now the Wisconsin-based company, which designs software for vending machines, has a more ambitious plan, according to the chief executive, Todd Westby. Now, now listen to this. During an appearance on CNBC, these are reputable, even though they're liberal, they are reputable news outlets. 
Westby said his company is working on a more sophisticated microchip that is powered by human body heat and that includes GPS tracking. They can know where you are at any time, tracking capabilities and voice activation. Microchips with GPS tracking may strike some as the first step toward the handing of over of our autonomy to Skynet-like government overlords. And three square market officials acknowledge that the chips will offer a convenient way to track people. That's a nice way of saying they're exactly right. Everybody's going to know where you are all the time. And some people are afraid of that. He said, you don't have to worry about that. We understand that. Especially those suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. Oh, now they're going to say, oh, we want to know where everybody, and you get Alzheimer's, you may get lost, and we want to be able to find you. That's not the motivation behind it at all. Patrick McMullen, president of the, Squifair, uh, the, the, the Three Square Market and the chip technology business, Three Square Chip, told CNBC, the goal is a worthy cause, and I quote, it's not only GPS, he says, it's not only voice activation, it's working on monitoring your vital signs, McMullen said. And there are different medical institutions that obviously want that. It's going to tell my doctor office that I have an issue. In other words, when you walk in the office, you just, they just scan your little, your little uh, implant there, and they know all about what's going on in your body. Proponents of medical microchips point out that the devices could contain someone's entire medical history. If a patient were unconscious or suffered from memory loss, for example, those records could prove invaluable for emergency room doctors who might be unfamiliar with the person's prescribed medications or history of illness. They're given all the good reasons, none of the bad. Critics say that the practice raises serious privacy concerns. How many of you believe this raises a serious privacy concern? Me too especially when considering who would be responsible for the mountains of personal data that microchips are able and capable of producing about an individual's movement, behaviors, and health. Westby told CNBC that 92 out of 196 of the company's employees have accepted chips and that only one person has had the rice, R-I-C-E, they're only the size of a little grain of rice, the rice-sized Where'd it go? Where'd it go? There it is. Device removed. What we've really done is made it acceptable or brought it to the forefront where people are now talking about it, looking at the benefits it can do for a person, he said. At the Washington Post, as the Washington Post, Danielle Pequay noted last year, microchips aren't exactly new and have been used to tag pets and livestock and track deliveries. Biohacks, a Swedish company, has implanted its microchip in several thousand customers, allowing them to ride trains without using tickets, turn on the lights in their apartments, and access a gym that the company has partnered with. The company claims the microchips are used only to enhance systems that are, quote, completely under your control, at least for right now. That's my phrase at the end. But micro, I'm almost through. Now listen. But microchips have been even more widely discussed since Three Square Market began placing radio frequency identification tags, which cost about $300 between employees' indexed fingers and thumbs. Now listen to what I'm about to say. Noel Chelsley, 49 years old, 
associate professor of sociology at the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. That is a major university. This is not some flyby little institution. Told USA Today, that is another, even though it's kind of liberal, it's another reputable mainstream news outlet that she believes microchip humans are an inevitability, but not for several decades. Some experts predict it will take that long for the stigma, that is the fear, against associated with the practice to wear off. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Listen to this. I've read all of this for this last two sentences. It will happen to everybody, Chelsea told USA Today. But not this year, not in 2018, maybe not even in my generation. Now, listen to what she says there. But certainly in the generation of my children. Am I telling you that they're giving people the mark of the beast? No. But am I telling you that this is a precursor, this kind of technology paves the way for Antichrist to give the mark of the beast, and finally we're starting to see how it could work. If you'd have told me this 30 years ago, I would have thought you were nuts. I don't think you're nuts anymore. How many of you know that the Bible is going to come true? Does anybody believe that? Sure it is. And he provides, verse 17, that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of the beast. Again, I'm not saying that, that, that they're having, don't leave her and say, Brother Steve said that some of the people up there have the mark of the beast. I didn't say that. I'm simply saying this is definitely showing how it could take place. Verse 18, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. A lot of people trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. Don't try to do that. Don't worry about that. When he shows up, people will know. Christians will know. God will give us discernment if we're still here. I'm praying we're going to be raptured out. I'm praying for pre-rapture, all right? I'm praying that we don't have to go through the tribulation. But I'm also in my heart preparing for post, all right? Dr. Rogers used to say, you know, we don't know all about it. He says, when it comes to the end of time, he said, I'm not on the planning committee. I'm on the welcoming committee, all right? Jesus is coming back. I believe with all my heart that we're not going to go through the great tribulation. But I do think, now listen, having said that, I do believe Christians are going to be persecuted before Jesus comes back in the rapture. I do believe that. I do believe that. They're already being persecuted. And I believe it's going to be more and more. It's getting less popular to follow Jesus, even in America, than it ever has been. But I believe these things are setting up for that end time. Now, the 666, what does that mean? Let me give you the best explanation I can give. It's very simple. Suffice it to say that 666 references man. The number six is the number of a human being. And the Antichrist will be a man, a fleshly human being. Even though he desires to be worshipped as God, he will only be a man. In the Bible, the number six is associated with people. Man was created on the sixth day. Man was commanded to work six days out of the week. God charged man and told him every Six years, after six years of work, give 
the land. Let it go fallow. Give it rest. So six is the number of man. It falls short of the number of God, which is what? Seven. Jesus and the Holy Trinity are seven, seven, seven. They are perfect. And the best man is Antichrist. Not the best in being good, but the most highly elevated earthly human being that will ever live will be Antichrist. And still, he is he and his Holy Trinity, the devil and the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're, they're not 777. They are 666. They still fall short of the glory of God. The best the devil can do is still less than God can do. The best that the Antichrist can do is less than Christ can do. And the best that the false prophet can do is still just a six compared to the seven of the Holy Ghost. I got news for you. There's only one seven and his name is Jesus. Antichrist is a six and he's not going to rule the world forever. Amen? Give God praise for that. When I was growing up, people talked about the coming of the Lord all the time. Nobody talks about it anymore. Hardly anybody. Even theologians don't talk about it. They don't go around saying Jesus could come back, but I'm telling you, when I was in youth groups, when I was in high school, I was not living for the Lord at all. I was living for the world. But I'd go to church and I would see movies about the coming of Christ. And somebody played this song, and I'm not going to sing it to you, but I'm going to read you the words by a guy named Larry Norman. I don't know if he's living for the Lord or not. don't even know if he's living. But he wrote a, world, a, a song called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Anybody ever heard it? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. A few of you have. Go online and listen to it by Larry Norman. Now listen to the words. Listen, and I'm through. Life was filled with guns and war, and all of us got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. The children died. The days grew cold. Now listen, a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, talking about the rapture, but you've been left behind. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise, turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up the hill. One disappears. Jesus talked about this, by the way, in Luke 17. One disappears. One's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. The Father spoke. And do you remember Revelation 9 where the demons come out of the abyss? The Father spoke and the demons dined. The sun has come. You've been left behind. Can you even fathom? Can you fathom that, to be left behind, to go through all this, to look at your little children and say, we can't eat because we're not going to take that mark of the beast? Can you fathom 
pandemics that will make COVID-19 look like nothing? Can you imagine? No cash? You can only buy something with a mark on your right hand or your forehead. Can you imagine that if you don't take it, they're going to kill you? You got to run to the desert? That's what's coming. I'm not playing games. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. This is going to come. And we see how it can come. Do we not? So let's be ready. And if you're not ready, this little area right here is sacred for me for a lot of reasons. I've preached hundreds of sermons from this area, but I've married my daughters right here, two of them. And I led them in their vows to their spouses. And I've led a lot of people in their vows to Jesus from this area right here. If you don't know the Lord, I want you to receive Jesus and be saved right now. And I would like to lead you just like I led my daughters in their marriage vows right here. And others, I've, I've done other weddings right here. If you'd like to receive Jesus, He's a prayer away if you'll receive Him right now. Bow your heads with me. And after we do this, we'll sing one more song and we'll be through. Pray something like this if you want to be saved right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe you, you are the only Savior. Lord, I repent. I turn from my sin. I turn to you. I believe you died on the cross and you paid the penalty for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead and you are alive. So I repent of my sin. I believe in Jesus. And now I receive you. I call on your name. Save me right now, Lord Jesus Christ. Come into my life. I give you my life. Let me live for you the rest of my life. And when I die, take me to heaven. And if you come back in the rapture, let me take, be taken up with you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand up. I'm going to give you a little foretaste of what's going to happen to the Antichrist and the false prophet. Would you read it with me? Revelation 19, verse 20. It's there on the screen. Let's all read it together. Even you singers, let's turn around and read it real quick. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. How many of you know that in the end, God wins. Amen. God wins. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.